Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. As far as impacting organic rank, when you run paid uh, traffic to your listing, I mean, there's no... Your attention, please. Please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss how to generate recurring revenue streams that come in 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show, AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, as soon as I'm finished here, I am going to be watching a marathon about three episodes, short marathon of Game of Thrones. I've been so busy, I have not watched any of them. And guess what? While watching Game of Thrones, I will be making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So guys, today I have a special treat for you. Um, I did an interview with Brian Bowman and the interview is a little bit long, but it is full of nuggets. If you've ever wanted to know uh, details and instruction, specific things about pay-per-click, okay, how to do things, how to set up your Excel sheet so you can track everything, then this is the episode you wanna listen to. It's really cool. We've got a video that Brian put together that supplements the podcast, right? It's gonna go over very specific details and show you exactly what to do. And that video can only be found on our Facebook group, guys. So if you're not a subscriber, or sorry, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, you need to join that right now. That's uh, on Facebook, it's called the Amazon FBA High Rollers. High rollers like in Vegas, high rollers. So you can find a link to that at the ampmpodcast.com site and just click on the big, ugly Facebook graphic or link that we have on the right-hand side banner there, on the right column, and you'll be all set. It'll take you there. You need to uh, request to join the group and Guillermo will get you approved usually within a day and then you can get in there and uh, check everything out. All right, guys, let's queue up the interview because it's awesome. Hey guys, welcome to another fantastic podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about pay-per-click. That's probably one of the number one questions that we get uh, on our Facebook group um, is, how do I do pay-per-click? Where do I start? You know, all the questions that go with it. So today, it is my honor, my privilege to introduce Brian Bowman. He's a pay-per-click expert. So Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Manny. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome to be on the show. Uh, I'm a fan of the group. I'm a fan of the podcast. So yeah, this is awesome. Fantastic. Well, before we get into things too deeply here, really important question I want to ask you. If you could make up a national holiday, Brian, what would it be and how would you be involved? <laughs> uh, let's see. A national holiday. All right. 
So this this might be this might be a, a little different for for your listeners. I don't know if you ask everyone this question, but um, so I love uh, grappling, uh, the the sport of grappling. So I was a wrestler growing up. I compete in jujitsu tournaments now. I just I love it. It's it's more than just the fitness part. It's just the the competitiveness, what it does for self confidence, and um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's basically. Uh, people call it kinetic chess, right? It's 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 like uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. So I love jujitsu. I would have national jujitsu day <laughs> and people would be rolling out mats onto their front yard and they'd be have local grappling tournaments in their neighborhoods. It would be awesome. It, <laughs> it would bring people together and uh, everyone would get in shape. So it would be awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it. Jeez, that sounds really, really fun. Um, <laughs> okay, so on a serious note, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got into this and tell people why they should be listening to you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm putting yeah, you no. on the spot here. <laughs> the, the heat is on. Okay, exactly. why should they be listening to me? Well, a little bit about myself in terms of, uh, you know, kind of my background uh, with e-commerce. I, I've been selling online uh, for about 10 years my wife and I had started a uh, vintage furniture uh, like resale business quite a while back. And that's when I first started getting exposure to paid traffic, Google AdWords, Facebook traffic, you know, social traffic. And my background outside of sort of e-commerce selling. So my, uh, it's in math and statistics. I'm technically an actuary. So a lot, maybe your audience won't know what an actuary is. Basically it's somebody who uses a lot of data and analysis to like historical data to figure out what's going to happen in the future and then make the best decisions today. So the point being you're as an extra, you're used to looking at tons of data and looking for trends. So that played really well into advertising and things like that with our other business online. So I was, I was having to look at trends and quickly found that when you were able to find sort of that signal in the noise, you could make good decisions and get a better return on your investment. So yeah, I found out about private labeling on Amazon probably a couple of years ago. Didn't really pay much attention to it until it just started coming up more and more. And we figured we'd give it a shot as well. So about a year ago, we started selling and very quickly I saw the huge opportunity with sponsored products. Basically, it allowed you to get visibility right away. And if you knew how to how to optimize your campaigns, um, it could be an awesome vehicle for for sales and for market research. So since then, I've been um, I, so I am a private label seller, but I've also been uh, working in a consulting role and an account management role for a select group of people for quite a while now. Probably probably the last nine months, I've been working on that. Okay, great. So nine months as a consultant, and how long have you actually been selling on Amazon? For about a year, probably a little bit over. I mean, we're coming up end of April, so it's, yeah, just just over a year. Okay, wow. You got into uh, consulting right away then. So a lot, lot of people yeah. need help. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that's kind of how it started. You know, I would start making comments in the Facebook groups, just, you, just helping out. And then people would approach me with specific questions, you know, hit me up on chat, and then I would help them. They would get good results. And that's kind of how it started, where I thought there would be an opportunity to help more sellers one-on-one. Okay. All right. Awesome. And if you don't mind me asking, where are you in terms of sales on a monthly basis? Yeah. So we, we had our first big month, uh, where we hit six figures. So we hit, we were able to hit that hundred thousand mark. We're pretty consistently at about 70. Now we're moving into the busy season. We have a few new products coming out. We have six main products that make up the bulk of our sales. And now we're getting more aggressive with our product launches. Awesome. 
Why do you think that pay-per-click, especially on Amazon, is such a difficult thing for most people? I think the biggest thing is, well, it's, I think in general, people are, they struggle with the, the data and analytics part of it. I think the concept makes sense, you know, um, you know, you, you, you have the opportunity to pay for visibility. So that makes sense. But once you get past the initial stage of, all right, I know I need to run ads. Let me start running them. The refinement, the optimization, the analysis, that's where people get really hung up because it, let's face it, it's, it's a lot of data. And how do you know what the next best decision is to make? So I, I find that the biggest thing that I help my clients with is breaking down the analysis part, because once once it's clear to them what's happening, the their business side comes in, you know, their their ability to say, well, you know, because they, they know the product better than anyone. So they can start looking at it and saying, oh, you know, these these terms are more popular and these types of users are looking for my product. So the the, the creativity and the next steps kind of become um, more apparent to them. But I think it's the analysis part that people get really hung up on. Okay. All right. Awesome. And um, before we start going into each of the steps, because we've got uh, a list of things that I definitely want to go through. Um, there's a lot of acronyms that throw people off, right? You got your your ACOS and PPC, click-through rate, that kind of stuff. Did you want to quickly just go over some of those and then we'll we'll jump right into it? Yeah. So let's see. So let's start with some of the, the basic ones. So I think the one that everyone has, has heard of and probably, um, you know, they, they, they throw around, but they're not I, th I think a lot of people still aren't totally clear on is a cost. So that's your advertising cost of sale. And it's simply your total spend divided by total product sales. And the big thing to keep in mind is that total product sales is your, the, the gross number. I mean, if you're selling a $20 product, if it's listed for $20 and you sell five of them, your denominator is a hundred. And depending on what your spend is, that's the numerator and that's how you calculate your ACOS. So a lot of people will ask, well, what's the, what's the best ACOS or what's the target ACOS? A good starting point is whatever is, whatever is your profit margin. So if you sell a $20 product or, you know, you list for $20 and you make, just to use round numbers, $10 on each sale after all your expenses, that's profit after the sale. So you're looking at a 50% profit margin. That's, a decent starting point for your target ACOS because essentially if you make $10 on a sale, then you'd be willing to spend up to $10 to break even. Anything above that, your so if you have a 60% ACOS on this product, you're losing money on each sale. Now that's not always a bad thing. You know, for example, if, if you want to make a push on a certain keyword so that you can rank more heavily, and we can talk about that later on, it may be wise to, to run it at a loss for, for a short period of time until you can rank. Yeah. But, and if you could run lower than that profit margin, that's good as well. So, but anyway, a good uh, break even ACOS is that profit margin. Uh, some other ones, click through rate. That's pretty important. Uh, that's just how many, so for every, impression, how many times are people clicking? Um, so if you have, you know, a 10% click through rate, you know, you've got a really popular ad, you know, people, people see it and they're clicking through. If you've got a 0.01% click through rate, then that's something to look into because perhaps, um, your, your, uh, you know, your image, your title, something is not appealing or, or the relevancy of the ad to the, to the customer is not, is not quite lined up. So something is not appealing to them about that particular uh, search term. What are some other terms? Let's see. Conversion rate would probably be uh, pretty important as well. Yeah. So basically 
just based uh, how many people are converting per click. So people get into the listing. So we talked about the click-through rate. So they see the ad and what percentage of people are actually clicking on the ad. And then once they've clicked, you've got your conversion rate, which is how many people actually go on to make a purchase after they've clicked. Okay. All right, cool. And we'll probably get into those in, in more detail as we go. So let's jump back to the basics here, though. Why should somebody actually use Amazon sponsored products using pay-per-click on Amazon versus going to Facebook or to Google some other place outside of Amazon? I think that there there is a time and a place for going outside of Amazon. But if, you, if you've just started listing without question, you need to be focusing on Amazon sponsored products. The biggest reason is, well, first you're listed in Amazon. It's a, it's a shopping platform. That's where the credit cards are stored. That's where, you know, if you start, if you focus in Amazon, you're trying to boost your organic rank. And, and I'll talk about that in a second, but basically you want to generate as many sales as you can in Amazon when you're first starting out. And if you can use the tools inside of Amazon, I think you're, you're, um, I, I, I think that's the best decision. So number one reason why I would use sponsored products is visibility. You know, you've put in all this hard work, you've, you've picked the perfect product, you've made modifications, you got the right supplier, you got your cost to the right, to the right point. You have a great listing, great images, great copy, all that stuff. If people can't find you, they're not going to buy, right? Sponsored products gives you the ability to potentially from day one or, you know, week one, let's say, appear at the top of the page, appear in front of buyers because you're naturally, you're going to start on, you know, page 10, 11, 12, and people just, they're not going to go that deep into search results. So the number one reason is it gives you the opportunity to make sales because people will be able to see you. The next reason I think is boosting your organic rank. According to Amazon, I think the way that they phrase it is there's anecdotal evidence that suggests that running sponsored products can increase your organic rank. Well, I have tons of data that basically proves that absolutely when you run sponsored products on a keyword, let's just say just a main keyword that you really want to rank for organically, those sales, when a customer searches for that keyword, sees your ad, clicks and buys, those sales get credited in the algorithm as being as stemming from that keyword. So you're, you're going to move up in the rank because it tells the algorithm that when people search for this keyword, they like your product and they buy it. So Amazon is in the business of making money. They're going to put your product in front of buyers. Okay. So that's a point of debate with a lot of people, right? Is because you have, it seems like it's split. Some people are saying it doesn't rank, you know, pay-per-click will help your sales velocity and other stuff, but it doesn't actually help you rank. And then you have other people that say it does. And I've been of the camp that says, Absolutely, it does. From what I've seen, it does. And you're now saying you've got tons of data that shows it does. So we can put that yeah. to bed, right? I think so. <laughs> and I mean, there is there is some debate as to what is weighted more. And I mean, I, that, you know, you, you, you'd have to compare against large data sets to see, you know, uh, is, is, is an organic search and purchase, is that weighted more heavily than a... Um, you know, a search and a paid click and purchase. So that maybe, maybe there's a point of contention there and you could, and you could go back and forth and, and probably look at some data. But as far as impacting organic rank, when you run paid uh, traffic to your listing, that, I mean, there's no question about it in my mind and from the data I've seen. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if somebody still is doing a search, right, they're doing a search for a, a blue widget and then you're happening to bid on that, that term or that phrase, 
So Amazon should give you credit for that because that is what they actually search for and they're clicking through and buying your product. So it would be weird. It almost make no sense if they didn't rank you for that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Because in their mind, they're just trying to figure out what sells, right? They just, they just want to make sales and, and make more money. Okay, great. So the other big thing, and I think it gets overlooked because everyone thinks of paid traffic in terms of sales. And the more they spend, if they have a good ACOS, they just want to make more sales, more sales. The big thing I think that gets overlooked is the market research opportunity that, that, you, that you have with sponsored products. When you're running exact campaigns, and we'll talk about match types, you're, you're targeting an exact, an exact term that people are, or an exact keyword or a phrase that, that, that a customer is searching for. But when you run phrase and broad match campaigns, you're getting kind of more information on what the customers are searching for. And what you'll start finding are patterns. You know, this has happened to me with, with one of my own products where I, I thought I knew my, my client, I thought, you know, my customer, I thought I knew why they would use this product. And I basically ended up finding this whole other secondary market that was buying my product and it was coming through in the customer search terms. So naturally I made some changes. I put in some lifestyle photos that catered to that, to that new demographic or that, or that, you know, that, that new category of search that I, I would have never thought people were using my, my product for. And then set up separate campaigns to just target that group of keywords and immediately saw a jump in, in my organic rank. So again, that's more evidence that targeting the paid traffic for those keywords affects organic rank because I, I mean, it, it spiked, it went from, I was at the bottom of page one. I went to the second spot on the, on the page for the main keyword in this, in this other market. And I would have never known about that had I not paid attention and looked at trends in, in my, in my search term report and in the data. So this is from your automatic campaign you're talking about, right? You're looking at the data and seeing what search terms people have actually done to pull up your product. So auto and manual and, and manual for sure. Because if you run under some broad match for, and using as your, you using your product as, as the seed uh, keyword, you'll start finding some patterns that'll emerge in terms of, you know, trying to think of a, of a generic example. I mean, if you have a ball, you, you sell a ball and you think it's a basketball. Well, then you'll find that maybe there's people who will start searching ball for kickball. And you start seeing that pattern like, wow, a lot of people who play kickball are buying this ball. That's interesting. I would have never thought that. Then you can start, you can start running. Um, you, can, you, you can modify your listing a little bit and then start running campaigns on the kickball industry, I guess. Right. And I think the one thing also that I think it's overlooked is just the level of sophistication that's going to start coming right now. Sponsored products is, I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's in its infancy, I would say compared to something, you know, think Google AdWords, think of the sophistication that you have there where you can target, you know, you have, you have geo targeting, you can do customer match. You can, you can do so much that it, it gets so granular on who you're targeting. You write your own ad copy. So you're, you know, the idea of an ad group is that if I, for example, if this ball is a basketball and a kickball, I'm going to have ads. So I'm going to have my basketball terms in a basketball ad group. And I'm going to write an ad that's very targeted towards basketball players versus kickball players. Well, that kind of sophistication may, may be coming. I mean, we definitely know that it's going to get more advanced and I think that for those who start doing it now, they're going to, they're going to have, they're going to be comfortable with the platform and they're going to be able to, um, you know, evolve more quickly and get a competitive edge as, as sponsored products gets more and more involved, 
they're going to be the first ones to react instead of the people who then decide to hop on board and they're trying to, they're scrambling to figure out how the platform works. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, right now, I would say it's, it's like what, Google like seven, eight years ago, maybe? I mean, we're just oh. now getting broad phrase, exact matches, negative uh, keywords. Just things that oh, are real yeah. basic. No doubt. No doubt. And if you look at what's happening on the AMS side, so Amazon Marketing Services is the PPC uh, platform for uh, vendor accounts. You have a lot more targeting that you can do. And there's a lot more, lot more features that are out there that are not available in sponsored products. So you actually, you actually can write. So your users may have seen the headline ads. So when you do a search and when you do an organic search above the first sponsored products ad, on top, you'll see a banner, a headline banner. Well, that's that's AMS. And you can actually customize the copy for AMS ads. So you can create very highly targeted ads and you can even target when they click the ad, what do they see? They could see a custom listing page with certain, with certain SKUs. There's a lot of customization you can do. And it's natural to think that that's probably coming. I mean, there's none of us know for sure, but I think it's safe to say that sponsored products as it stands will, will evolve for sure. Yeah. I can't wait. And there's a lot of stuff that people aren't using. I'll, I'll see stuff and you know, that pop up on my, uh, other, other competitors products are popping up actually on my product listing page. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and then you go and research it and figure out how to do it. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go back a little bit further now. What do you think uh, people should do before jumping into the whole, uh, PPC thing? That's a great question, Manny. I think everyone gets so excited. They hear, oh, I need to be running sponsored products. They get, they get all jazzed about it. They run it and it kind of falls flat and they go, what the heck? Sponsored product doesn't work. What, what's, what's all the hype about, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a few things I think that you want to check off the checkbox before you get started. One, make sure you've built a listing that is going to generate clicks and is going to convert. There's a few things to touch on. So one, your title. This is all basic stuff that I think people take for granted, but make sure you, you have a title that explains what you're selling, is optimized for uh, keywords that, your, that your, audience, your target audience is going to be searching for. Your images, make sure you have high quality images, have lifestyle photos. I think, you know, one thing you hear over and over from successful sellers. In fact, you just had, you just had Kevin King on, on the podcast and, um, he may have talked about this. I know, I know it's something he believes in. I believe in all the successful sellers that I've talked to have lifestyle photos. That's people, people shop with their emotions and seeing the product in action. It just, it, it taps into that emotional side. So have good images, high quality ones that can zoom in, have a, a, a competitive price. And that doesn't mean the lowest price. It just means a price that is in line with the perceived value of your product. Mm -hmm. So you can have a high price. There's nothing wrong with that. You can go premium, but make sure you've got a premium listing, a premium product, premium photos so that people know clearly, yeah, it's priced more, but I'm getting a better product. So a competitive price, optimized listing. A lot of people ask about reviews. The strategy that I'm going to talk about today you can absolutely start your, your campaigns without reviews, but to really start making sales, you are going to need some reviews. It doesn't have to be a lot, but there does have to be, you know, people always talk about that social proof that definitely has to be there. Nobody wants to be the one to leave the first review. Um, and again, you don't need many. I mean, we're talking five to 10 and what, and what I'm going to propose is a, is a strategy where you can run pay-per-click right from the gate, uh, collect valuable, very valuable information and in that time, you know, that five to seven days where your, um, your campaign is running, 
you can go ahead and, and collect some reviews and, and you'll be good to go for uh, to start scaling. In addition to the title, make sure your backend search terms are are optimized as well. And I mean, we could have a whole separate conversation about, you know, the best way to optimize and which fields should have which words, but uh, whatever you do, make sure you, you do some work on those backend terms because it's just like organic rank. I mean, sorry, organic search, your paid uh, impressions are going to be highly, highly dependent on your relevancy. So it's, it's really important that that's set up or you're going to have a heck of a time having your ads appear in search. Right. Okay. I know you said we could talk, uh, have a whole different conversation, separate conversation on title and backend terms. I'd actually probably like to have you come back. Maybe we can do a part two and we'll actually talk about some of the more advanced stuff. How's that sound? That sounds awesome. I, yeah, I, I do tons and tons of testing on this stuff. Um, and yeah, some interesting patterns emerge and some interesting troubleshooting, you know, comes up that you have to take care of. It's, it's crazy, but I will say those backend terms, if, if you can get them dialed in, I mean, I think, I think you've, you've written about it quite extensively. It can be, it can be a real, a, a boon for sales. I mean, it, you could have massive increases in sales if you get those backend terms right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we'll definitely uh, dive into that on a different episode. I do want to kind of jump back a little bit though. You were talking about, um, the images and using lifestyle images. And I just wanted to emphasize to the listeners that it's critical. I mean, absolutely critical that the images look fantastic because uh, Brian, no matter what you do, right? If the pay-per-click is on, you know, it's perfect, but the image that's showing on those ads is garbage. You've kind of uh, hosed yourself before you even start. Yeah, exactly right. And it goes back to what we were talking about with kind of, well, with click-through rate, but but more so with conversion rates. A lot of our decisions in pay-per-click are going to be based on those conversion rates. So, you know, you may have a great keyword that you're targeting and you're like, man, this is relevant to my product. I really should be, I really should be selling, but the data is telling me I should dump this keyword. You know, let's go ahead and get rid of the variable of, well, maybe you just have a garbage image and compared to your competition, you know, it's, it's just not worth it to them. So they, they, they bounce from your listing and, and go to the next one. Um, if you take care of all those things first, you, you can isolate all these other variables and it'll make your pay-per-click data that much more valuable and reliable. So a hundred percent, get all that stuff taken care of, have your, have your just spot on listing. And as far as cost, I do want to mention this cause I feel like a lot of people say, Oh man, but you know, 50 bucks for an image or, you know, you know, hiring out to do a lifestyle photo that could be a few hundred dollars. This is a business and just really make sure, you know, you understand that you're going to, there's an upfront investment, but the payout is massive. If you can, if you can get all those details, right. Cause it's all those little things that add up that separate you from the competition. So. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about match types because that's probably the thing that really confuses people. I know it was something that, um, confuse some of my friends that I, I got into Amazon. I knew about it because I worked with uh, AdWords before, but um, yeah, let's talk about the different types that there are. Perfect. So I think I'll, I'll talk. So you have basically broad phrase exact, and then you've got your negative exact negative phrase. So the first, let's talk about broad match. If you run an auto campaign, that is by default is a broad match. And I'm going to use, uh, I don't know, let's... Uh, sleeping bag. Let's use sleeping bag as the example, uh, keyword. Hey, Brian, real quick, before you get into that though, um, just so that 
if there's brand new listeners, um, just a quick difference between auto and manual. I know it's, it's, it sounds real intuitive, um, but can you quickly just talk about that? Oh yeah, for sure. So an auto campaign, you will choose the product that you want to run the auto campaign on or the SKU or numerous SKUs, but they will, the a Amazon will basically based on what it believes your product is, uh, how it, so basically on the, the, the relevance. So it'll, sorry, let me back up. It will auto target, um, your product and it'll pair it up with customer searches. So it, it will basically, when customers search, it will decide if your product is relevant or not and put it in front of them. So it's going to auto target uh, customer searches and keywords. Now we'll talk about this later on. It's not going to show you the keywords in the reporting, but it will show you the customer search terms, which is the actual term that the customer typed in. Um, and that's really the, the valuable data. But yeah, basically Amazon does the, the work for you. I mean, you, you, you pick the product and Amazon goes to work. You give it a, a bid that you want it to, to use and then Amazon goes to work and starts putting your ad in front of people. It believes, um, it believes are searching for, for your product based on the relevancy that it, uh, it's, it's figured out. Um, and that's actually, we're going to actually run an auto campaign first to figure out that exact thing. What the heck does Amazon think I'm selling? Which sounds like an obvious question, but the answer can be wildly uh, different than what you're actually selling. So yeah, manual, yeah. Manual campaign. Oh, sorry. You were going to say oh, something. No, no, I was, I was just going to say absolutely. And it's, that's the easy one, right? You get in there, you just throw in a bit amount and you're off to the races. It you're, you're good to go. Manual starts getting a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Manual is a little more complicated, a little more fun. I mean, depending on how you, <laughs> <laughs> how you, how you see it, but um, that's where you actually get to do the targeting and a little more research and, um, Basically, you're the, you're going to input that you're going to provide the keywords, and based on the match type, you your ad will appear for different customer searches depending on um, again on, on the match type that you've selected for each keyword. Okay. Okay. Cool. So now we can jump into the actual match types that you were mentioning: broad, uh, phrase, and exact, and negatives. Yeah. So let's. Uh, well, I think we'll use sleeping bag as an example. So let's talk about broad match. What broad match means is if you take, so in, in that manual campaign, because you won't be able to select the keywords you want in auto. Again, Amazon does that and their algorithm figures out what keywords to use. In manual, you can start an ad group and use, let's say, let's say the ad group's going to have all broad match. So if you use a broad match keyword sleeping bag, what that's saying is when a customer searches, so they go into Amazon in the search bar and they type sleeping bag, your ad is eligible to appear. If they type a word before or after sleeping bag, so best sleeping bag, sleeping bag for camping, again, your ad is eligible to appear. If they flip-flop the words, bag for sleeping outdoors, your ad is eligible to appear. So again, it just means that sleeping and bag have to be in the customer search, the actual uh, search that the, that the customer goes into Amazon when they're looking for something. So the order doesn't matter at that point. You can just, order as, long, doesn't as long as it's both, they're both there. Okay. Got as it. long as they're there. Exactly. Phrase is a little bit more refined, a, a little bit more targeted, but not quite as targeted as exact. So phrase just means that sleeping and bag have to stay together, but you can put anything before and after again, based on relevancy. Um, but anything before and after. So 
best sleeping bag, sleeping bag for camping. Those are eligible to appear also under phrase match, but bag for sleeping outdoors is not because you've flip-flopped the order of bag and sleeping. So sleeping bag has to stay as a phrase. Anything before or after your ad is is uh, potentially eligible to appear. Okay. Exact is uh, exact. It it not only is it has to be the phrase has to stay intact, but no additional words before and after the phrase will be included. So um, it will account for plurals and some filler words. So, you know, for the will, you know, and those will be included, but generally just think, you know, it's your ad will appear for that exact term uh, or plural. Okay. That's good to know. So exact matches just by default are going to have the least amount of actual impressions and clicks because people have to type in exactly that phrase. Yep. That's exactly right. I, th- I feel like we're saying exact a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's spot on. So exactly. You have to uh, type that, that, that phrase. Now what, you know, if you can, if you can imagine they, each one of these serves a very different purpose. So broad is definitely more of a, a research tool, right? Because if you put, if you put sleeping bag, I mean, there are so many combinations that you could appear for. It's also the reason why broad, you generally want to use a lower bid because if you put, you know, some $5 bid on, on broad, just think of, you know, just how many different, you know, terms you could, you could show up for, uh, well, if you are in a heavy research phase, you know, maybe, maybe that is a strategic approach, but you better be ready to spend some money because you are going to get a lot of clicks on a, on a high, high bid on broad. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, and you kind of, generally what you're trying to do is funnel, you're trying to funnel, um, your, your terms down each match type. There are a lot of different strategies, but a very basic strategy is start broad, identify terms that are, that are converting customer search terms, not, not keywords, customer search terms. There's a difference there. If the keyword is sleeping bag, the customer search term can be a variety of things. What the search, what the customer actually was looking for uh, under that broad match. And then you may test it further under a phrase. And once you find it, that it's converting really well, you can target it very um, specifically under an exact match. And again, that's, that's a very general sort of framework, but it's one that, that can be effective. Okay, great. And then we had uh, negatives. That's, that's one that really confuses people. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and I mean, I think you have to be really careful with negatives. They can be very powerful for reducing your advertising cost of sale or a cost. But again, you have to be really careful with them. And, and I'll show you, uh, I'll have some more, some more information on how to really analyze this to make sure you're picking the right ones. But basically negative exact means your ad is not eligible to appear. And the same way that exact for our sleeping bag example was your ad could appear for sleeping bag or sleeping bags. If you do a negative exact on sleeping bag, your ad is not eligible to appear for sleeping bag, sleeping bags. Where that is very powerful is if you think of ACOS as your spend over your sales, the way to reduce ACOS, you basically have two ways or three, but let's say the simplest way is two ways. You can reduce the numerator so you can spend less or you can increase your denominator or make more sales with the same amount of spend. Ideally, we can, re- you know, we reduce spend and increase sales. So we can really, we can really bring our ACOS down. But 
What negatives allow you to get at is that numerator part. It's stuff that is not converting. It's never going to convert. And we just don't want to appear. We don't want our ads to appear anymore because people keep clicking it and aren't buying. So let me let me make this disappear, basically. That makes sense. So, for example, if I'm selling coffee filters and I've got the term filters is one of my keywords and I start noticing that, you know, people are looking for air conditioning filters and that's just taking up a lot of the uh, or I'm getting clicks, but nobody's buying, then I would add those in as negatives. Exactly. As exact phrase. Or I can actually put just, uh, if I, for example, if it was a air conditioning filter, I could just put air conditioning or air conditioner as a negative phrase. Yeah. So I, I always recommend, you know, I, I'm, I'm really cautious with phrase, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you can, you can definitely, the same way that, you know, exact is very targeted, phrase is a little bit of a broader, um, it's a broader, I shouldn't say broader match type. It's, it's a, it casts a little bit of a wider net and you can basically knock out a whole bunch of exacts with just one, with one negative phrase, right? right? By accident. So it's better. Would you say it's better than for, for people that are starting out to only use exact negatives? Yeah. Just until you get comfortable with, I don't know, just, just with the reports and the terms that, you know, until you have uh, some, some degree of, I don't know, some, some, a little bit of experience with it. I would definitely, um, do negative exact. And even with negative exact, I would be very, just very selective. Um, you know, kind of general criteria, depending on your, how risky you are, how, you know, how, how much risk you want to take or how, or, or, or how, uh, how patient you are. I generally use the rule of if something has no sales and has, you know, in general, let's say over 20 clicks, then it's definitely a negative exact. Sometimes I may go as low as uh, 10 or more clicks and just negative exact it because I just don't want to waste my time with it. When I have, when I have terms that are getting, you know, 10 and 15, 20% conversion rates, why, why spend any more money on this stuff just to research it? There's some unique situations where, where we can get into more detail. Maybe on the second podcast, I would consider it more advanced on when exactly you should be negative exacting a term. But in general, if it's getting a bunch of clicks, no sales, it's a good, it's a good candidate for negative exact. Well, just one thing I want to say with negative phrases, you're going to, what you're generally looking for though, are those patterns. You know, if you see a group of terms that are all negative exacts, and this is what you were getting at, uh, are all potential negative exacts, but you see that it's the same theme repeated, then you may have a great candidate for a negative phrase. And that's, and like you said, you just won't appear, you know, if you put air conditioner, then no matter what they, you know, search best air conditioner, air conditioner for something, your, your ads will never appear. So, um, it can be a great way to, to just reduce a cost real quickly, but if not used correctly, it could also reduce sales. So. Yeah. I've got a lot of questions re relative to, um, negative keywords, but I think they're more advanced, um, and, you know, in terms of timing and, and things like that. So we'll, we'll do that in the next one, but let's, let's go back to some of the basics. Um, Somebody, okay, so, so people know the, the basics on how to get going. Um, I think the next biggest question that people have is, well, how much should I bid and how much should my daily budget be? Can you kind of go over that? Absolutely. And, I, and I, this is a question that comes up all the time. And this might sound familiar in, in, with your users or maybe you've come across this, Manny, but a question I hear all the time, I bid, I have a $20 budget on this campaign and it's charged me $30 today. What the heck? What gives? And it's because of the way that Amazon uh, is in the way they interpret daily budget. They're seeing it as the average amount you're willing to spend each day in a calendar month. So what that means is 
let's let's go let's use that twenty dollar um, budget example. If it's the first of the month and you put twenty dollars as your budget and you spend ten dollars today, tomorrow on day two you've told Amazon I'm willing to spend twenty dollars per day. So you can spend in a two day period forty dollars minus the 10 you spent yesterday, you could potentially spend $30 on day two, even though your daily budget is 20. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. And that keeps adding up throughout the month. So what could potentially happen is, and it resets every calendar month. So what could potentially happen is if you had, so let's say a 30 day month. So 20 times 30 is 600. If you spent a dollar each day, and you never change that budget. So you started on day one, you spent a dollar each day. By the 29th day, you've spent $29. And if there was just some wild spike in clicks on the 30th day, mm -hmm. you could spend theoretically 600 minus 29. So what, 571, yep. uh, $571? Yeah. So you could technically <laughs> spend $571 that last day. Now, I've never seen that happen, but in theory, that could happen. Wow, that would give somebody a heart attack, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> well, hopefully, if that happens, that means that their sales have just blown up, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully, it's a really good thing, and yeah, maybe <laughs> you're like, uh, that. Uh, you, I would like to know what you did the, on the 29th, like, <laughs> because I have I have campaigns that, man, if I could, if I could, you know, 1,000x my impressions, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, I've, I've actually, I just posted a, uh, a video in the Facebook group, um, over at FBA high rollers, which kind of showed my, my initial climb. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but it started off really small, $18, 21, you know, 25 or something like that. And then it goes to 40, 90 and then no, 80 something. And then it jumps from there. Like the next day I wasn't expecting it, it was like 300 and something. Cause I thought it'd be like $90 and then yeah. like, Whoa, 300. And then the next day it was like 500. And so I started to worry. I'm like, uh Oh, this is going to go out of control, you know? So, um, and, and you're right. It did actually exceed uh, some of the budgets to some, to an extent, not by a lot, but, um, I got nervous, but then I looked at my sales and, you know, um, I, we'll probably get into this, but the sales are kind of trailing the, your ad, your ad spend. So it's like, man, I spent 500 bucks, but I only made $600 in sales, you know? And it's not until like a couple days later that it's all, kicking in. Yeah. And you know, a couple of days later and also make sure you, um, you know, if you really want to track that, make sure you track what happens 30 days later, um, in your campaign performance report. And again, this probably is a little more advanced than what we're talking about today, but you'll notice, uh, every product has sort of an average number of additional sales that get made from that click. And you'll be surprised how high it can be. I mean, it can be as high as, you know, 30 days out from the initial click, you, your, your sales on average may go up 20%. So you can look at data from last week, and look at that same data a month later, and your ACOS may have uh, dropped pretty significantly. So when you're looking at your, your ACOS, let's say a month later, um, and you get a sale from a, a, from a click that was a month earlier, does that get calculated into that ACOS that you're seeing on that, on that specific day, uh, today when I'm looking at the report or not? Uh, today when you're looking at the, oh, I see, like later on. Yeah, because if you notice in the campaign performance, you've got, you've got three columns, you've got, um, you know, Oh, a so, day out, a week out, and 30 days out. I, I know on the reports, it, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't clear. Um, so on the reports for sure, um, and that's what you were you were mentioning people should download. But you know how you can go into, uh, when you go into your advertising, oh, and, you I can, see. and you can select today or last week or whatever. If you're selecting like yesterday, and I'm looking at the ACOS numbers from yesterday, not on a downloadable report, but on the actual website, will it show 
those sales? Do you know if it shows those sales from like a month earlier, or is it only specifically taking into account uh, the data from yesterday? It's yesterday's data. Okay, so you really do that, need the reports then. Uh, yeah, you should be making decisions. Yeah, I, I would not. I would definitely not be making. Um, decisions on sort of killing keywords and bid decisions from, from inside of, inside of campaign manager. Okay. There's just, there's just so many other insights you can, you can get that are not only more accurate, but more granular in the, uh, in the reports for sure. Great. All right. So where were we? we were talking oh about- yeah. We're talking about the budget. <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. So one way to get around this, because I know a lot of people say, Hey, I spent $10, you know, Good for me. I, I, I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend 30 tomorrow. I just, I want it to be, I want to have everything sort of fixed. I don't want any of these wild spikes. It's, it's, they, they want to have sort of more control. They can do an account daily cap. So under your campaign settings, right from that campaign manager tab, or when you click campaign manager and you're on the main screen, there's a, there's an account settings uh, tab. And there you can select the account daily cap as opposed to uh, campaign level budgets. And basically what that means is you've set a cap for the day. So regardless of where, where the spend happens throughout your different campaigns, it caps out at a dollar amount. So if you put a $20 cap, that's the most you can spend. If you don't hit the cap, that's fine. But the next day, the cap is still 20 if that's what you set it at. Okay. All right. And that doesn't affect each campaign individual. They'll, they'll run normally until that daily cap is hit and then everything just kind of pauses, right? Exactly. Exactly. It just says, it says account out of, so instead of, um, you know, campaign out of budget, it will just say account is out of budget. Now this is not something, I mean, I think maybe when you're starting out, uh, maybe it's a little bit of a safety net that I would recommend sellers use later on. I don't, you know, you definitely, if you have campaigns that are running at a really good ACoS, you want to let those run and you want to throw more money at them and, and let them keep running because they're, they're performing well and making you money. The other time that I recommend using an account daily cap is when you get very sort of experimental and you're trying a lot of testing. Then at that point, you definitely want to put that in because, for example, in your situation, I think you said you just had that spike in spend. You know, you were you were not expecting it. Maybe it was okay. You know, you, you, you have a, you, you allocate a certain amount of money for testing. So that's fine. But for somebody who has a limited budget and they start trying some of these advanced techniques and start testing, the last thing you want is to be shocked with a, you know, $300 bill that you uh, weren't expecting. Right. Yeah. So I think that does it for budgets. I mean, they're, they're not, I think at first, one of the things that's a little complicated, but once you get used to it and you understand uh, how it gets um, you know, how, how it's defined with Amazon, it, it starts making a lot more sense. So the bids is probably the other thing that people get a little tripped up on, especially when they're starting out because they, there's a, there's a bid amount. So there's two things. First of all, there's an estimated page one bid and that sounds, that sounds clear enough, right? It's the estimate. Amazon's telling you it's the estimated page one bid. That should right. be really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. Yeah. Um, it's basically worthless. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I know it's outdated information, you know, and, um, essentially that is not, I, I know some people who have, it's worked, it works for their product. They have a strategy that kind of starts at the estimated page one and then moves up a certain percentage above that. But for most sellers, I wouldn't really pay attention to that. I generally use the technique of going with a higher bid and, 
working your way down, particularly with keywords that I absolutely know I want to target. When I'm doing more of the broad match stuff, I will start low and work my way up because I have a different purpose for those. So for example, um, we can talk about this in a little bit about kind of targeting long tail keywords versus those high volume, I don't know, money keywords or, or just, you know, high search uh, keywords. You know, long tails are lower cost per click, closer to the point of purchase, higher conversion rates. There aren't as many of them, but if you can get a whole, a whole grouping of them, they can make an impact. Um, but generally I start with high bids and work my way down. And that's basically so that my ads can appear. I mean, I don't, you know, if I start too low, I'm not getting click throughs. I'm not getting impressions. It's just, you don't, you don't get any traction at all. So I like to start high, work my way down the way the bids work in general is, it, uh, the auction system, it's called a second price auction. So you will only pay, it's the, what that bid is that you put in, it's the maximum you're willing to pay. It's not what you're going to pay. So you only get charged when your ad gets clicked. That's why, that's where the pay per click um, part of the, you know, the, the whole thing comes into play. And the, the, uh, the next lowest bid, you just, you're just going to pay above that. So if you put a $5 bid and the next lowest bid is, you know, a dollar, then you'll pay just enough to beat that dollar. Now, what it is exactly, a lot of people ask, you know, is my paying a penny more? Is it five cents more? Um, that's really, it's not documented anywhere. And that's kind of, you know, unless we know what the next highest bid is, we don't know for sure, but we do know that it's just enough to to beat out that next bid. Okay. And then if you have multiple campaigns, could you technically be bidding against yourself? Uh, another one of the most like popular questions, I think that everyone, and, and it's in totally, I totally get why this would be a common question because yeah, I don't want to, if I'm bidding a dollar and a dollar 50, have I just, have I just upped the bid, you know, have I just set a new floor for that bid of a dollar and now I'm going to have to pay a dollar five or whatever? Uh, no, that's not how it works. I've tested this. You absolutely do not bid against yourself. Impressions will first, will first filter to the highest bid. And that's, that's the only where that's the only place where you're going to see the impressions and you're not going to upbid yourself by having the same keyword somewhere else in, in, uh, in an ad group or a campaign. Okay. All right, that's good. And you had mentioned um, long tail keywords. For those that might not know what that is, you want to describe that real quickly? Yeah. So long tails have always kind of, they're kind of like the, you know, the holy grail of, you know, of, of pay-per-click advertising because they're, I mean, they're everything you want. They're, they have a low, they have low search volume because, well, first of all, they're closer to the point of purchase. So if you take, uh, let's say, you know, red shoes as an example, Red shoes, that, that search term has tons of search volume. A lot of people are looking for red shoes. It's very competitive, high cost per click. Yes, it makes more sales because there's more volume, but you're paying more for that as well. As you start adding terms to the search, so red shoes for, um, I don't know, for running, Okay, now, now we're not just talking about red shoes, you know, they could be high heels, they could be dress shoes, sports shoes, whatever. We're getting closer now to the point of purchase. The, it's more specific. So now it's, now it's for running. Okay, the search volume goes down, the cost per click goes down as you get longer in the tail. So it's just a distribution. I mean, if I'll, I'll have a, I'll have an illustration that um, I'll put together for your, for the, for the listeners that'll kind of talk about this and I'll, and I'll walk through, um, kind of how this works, but it, it's basically a distribution. So 
there's less people searching as the term gets longer. So red shoes for running a marathon. You're very close now. This is a very specific search. Someone is looking for a very specific product. And if you have a, a red shoe that is clearly for running marathons, you've got a pretty high chance now of converting for a few reasons. Mainly, um, the competition has really thinned out. So you're not competing against everyone selling a red shoe and trying to be visible that you're in, you're closer to the point of purchase. You've catered to that customer. Hopefully you have a great listing that really clearly conveys this. So you're paying less for that click and your conversion rate is really high on it. So that's, again, that's kind of like the Holy grail. It's, it's what everyone's looking for. And if you can imagine if you could have 10, 20, 30 of these long tail keywords that you can dominate, both as an advertiser and in organic rank, um, it can be, it can be a really, uh, a good boost for sales. So yeah. is, that, is that, is that clear? <laughs> Sorry. I, I kind of, that, no, that was perfect. I mean, I don't think anybody will not know what a long tail keyword is at this point. So that's, that's <laughs> Sorry, great. Yeah, no, I, and, and I guess to take it one step further, uh, maybe it's a little bit more advanced, but it, I, I would consider it kind of like the basics of setting up your account. What, once you know, that there's at least some kind of search volume for that long tail keyword. You want to make sure all of those words are peppered throughout your account somewhere, right? So that Amazon does actually see your product as relevant for that so that you do start getting those pay-per-click impressions as well as organic, right? You Eventually, you're hoping to land on page one organically where you don't have to pay for that click. Exactly. Exactly. We'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll end up doing is once we rank organically and we're above the fold, so, you know, the midpoint of the page, um, I still like to run advertising afterwards. I still want, I still want to remind the, uh, the buyer that I'm there. So if they do check out page two, I want to make sure my ads appearing somewhere or maybe at the bottom of page one, if I was towards the top, I, I just like to have that market presence mm -hmm. in my, um, with my ads, but absolutely. Okay. It's those long tail searches They're again, they're close to the point of purchase. There's less competition and you'll see it when you search in Amazon, right? You, you do red shoes and there's, I don't know, 30,000 results when you type, you know, red shoes for running a marathon, whatever we had said, uh -huh. you might be down to 60 results right. and it's, you've thinned out the competition. So exactly like you said, it's not just for paid traffic. You want to make sure that that stuff's in your listing um, so that it's relevant to the buyer and, uh, and, and you get those conversions. Okay, perfect. So let's go back to um, uh, bids because I can't tell you how many times people have posted on our Facebook group where they say, man, I've got a $10 bid on a phrase and I just don't get shown no matter what. It's not all, it's, it's not only about the bid amount, right? No, it's not. And, and you can, you can imagine why Amazon would do that. I mean, they want to make sure that, you know, relevant stuff gets put in front of the customer, right? So if, um, you know, you, you, you can't just bid on any keyword and just put a high bid and say, oh, like why, you know, I, I, I just want my product to be in, to, to, to appear for every keyword. I mean, Amazon has certain things in place, uh, other factors that get um, used to determine uh, not only uh, whether you're going to appear, but how much you'll pay. So if uh, I think some of the ones that maybe people don't know, I mean, relevance seems, seems logical, right? I mean, we want to make sure that uh, um, customers are seeing, well, Amazon wants to make sure customers are seeing relevant products, but they're also looking at the, uh, the length of the campaign. So how long the campaign has been around for. And within that campaign length, they're looking at certain metrics. So the click through rate, uh, we mentioned that earlier that we'll call it CTR. They're looking at, you know, how many clicks it's getting. Uh, and now they've recently started looking at historical sales. So 
basically if campaigns that have, you know, the uh, what is it? The rich get richer kind of thing. You know, it, the, the, the campaigns that are getting the search that are getting the uh, clicks, they're getting the sales volume. They're going to have priority for impressions. It's good to know. So, yeah, it's important to uh, to make sure your account is set up as perfectly as possible so that you have the highest chance of success initially because that's all going to um, affect you long term. Absolutely. And in fact, one thing we've started doing when we when we test, uh, we'll have we may form some ad groups. And again, you have to do this very carefully because you don't want to you don't want to skew the data in, in those good campaigns. But a lot of times I'll do some of the testing in those in those really good uh, campaigns. So I'll, I'll, I'll have some ad groups in there because there's already that age. Oh, there's always that, that, um, that aged campaign. So I'll try to leverage that, uh, with my testing, if that makes, that makes sense. Okay. So if you have an aged campaign, is it beneficial then to go in and create a new ad group for something versus if possible versus uh, creating another one? Exactly. I have found that. So there's always a, there's always this, I don't know, this kind of dead period, whenever you start a new campaign, even if it's very relevant uh, and eventually you'll get the impressions, there's always a, like a learning period where um, you just, you just don't get a lot of traction at first with that campaign. And the A cost is generally pretty high. And then within, I mean, it all depends, but let's say a week, you'll start seeing that impression start coming in, you start getting clicks. And usually a few weeks out, the A cost starts to normalize a little bit. But what I have found is when I form those ad, those testing ad groups in some of those already successful campaigns, um, I cut down on that, on that, disc, that le le like learning period. And right away I can start getting impressions. Okay. Well, I'm going to put this, uh, for our advanced stuff because I think that's, <laughs> that's good stuff, you know, using aged accounts and just kind of jumping around and uh, yeah. getting through some of the hoops here. Okay. So let's talk about, um, setting up a, an actual campaign, the structure of, of doing it. Yeah, there's no, you know, I, I get this question a lot and there's no right answer. I mean, there's no, there's no correct way to set up a campaign. The only thing it has to have, it has to have a structure and there have to, I, I, I like to talk about it in terms of themes, you know, make sure each campaign has a theme. I can't tell you how many times I have either consulted someone or taken on a client and hmm. How do I put this? They might be listening. Let's see. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's just, it's just a mess. I mean, you know, and I get it when you're first starting out, you know, you call it, you know, first campaign trial test one, you know, uh, you know, inspired words from book. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like there are just some crazy names that I, that I see. Um, very quickly that turns into a problem because one, you're going to have a hard time scaling. You're going to have a hard time analyzing it. When you start looking at the data and you're trying to see like, wait, what campaign did this come from? And, and also just throwing all kinds of random products into the same ad group. And it, if there's no structure, it just makes it very difficult to analyze, very difficult to scale. So have a consistent structure and just kind of stick to it. So one that I like to recommend is three basic campaigns and I use campaigns to control my budgets, right? Cause that's where I put my daily budget. So I have an auto campaign and what I like to name, I like to have a consistent um, uh, naming convention. So I'll have for the auto, it'll say auto hyphen product one, whatever product one is. So basketball, then I'll have a testing campaign, testing so the name will be testing hyphen basketball. And then maybe let's call it the winning keywords campaign where these are the words that I've, I've funneled through and 
Um, it's, it's, it's a campaign where I can throw as much money as I want at it because it has a good a cost and I want it to just basically the more I can spend the better. Cause I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm giving it a dollar and getting a dollar 10 back or whatever. Uh, and again, winning keywords, the name, you know, winning keywords, hyphen product one. So basketball again, like I said, you can control budget. So if I want to only allocate, if I have, you know, a hundred dollars every day to spend and I only want to allocate you know, $20 to auto, then I can do that at the campaign level. But if I want to allocate, you know, 30 to testing and the other 50 to the winning keywords, then I can do that because I've, I've themed everything. But as soon as you start mixing and matching, let's say I've got all of those winning keywords in an ad group, after all that research, I funneled them down and I've got them in that testing campaign, but I'm testing in that campaign, right? So I've got a bunch of stuff that wastes money uh, initially that campaign is going to run out of budget and the words that do really well, they're going to, they're not going to be eligible to appear. So if you've got a, you know, you can imagine you can have this, this campaign that overall has a really bad a cost, but if there's a part of it that does really well, I want to, I want to allocate my budget separately to that. Okay. So is that the reason then why, for example, if you have an auto campaign and you, and it's, you got some keywords in there that are just doing awesome. And you talked about having a campaign called winning keywords you know, product number one, you're pulling those winning keywords out of there to separate it from the, the other one so that it doesn't get affected negatively by the, the other performers. I just want to target them specifically. So yeah, exactly. If they're doing well, I just want to make sure that I've got plenty of money to spend on those. I'm thinking more in terms of like not having the, um, in my other, in my testing campaign, I want to separate them out cause I don't want that whole campaign to go out of budget and not be able to spend money on the good stuff. On the auto campaign, I let that run because I'll typically run the auto campaign with a lower budget. I, I, I think of the auto campaign as my, as my long tail search machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty aggressive with negative exacts on the auto because I want to basically slim down all, I want to trim down all the, all the waste in that campaign. I have a lower budget and I just want that thing just running. I basically want Amazon working for me all day, finding long tail terms. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's say that, for example, basketball, there's a, an exact phrase, uh, basketball for girls. And that one is just crushing it for you, right? You're doing well. Um, and that's in your auto and you pull that out and you put it into your winning keywords campaign. Would you add then a negative keyword, uh, for that particular phrase in your, in your auto? If the bids are the same, then yeah. But Typically, I'll have a higher bid on that because I'm, I'm trying to target it more specifically. So it the impression's going to go to the higher bid. Okay. So it automatically goes there because you're bidding. Even if you bid one cent more, it'll uh, the preference will go over to the, the one that's paying more then. Yeah. And I mean, with, with negatives, uh, sorry, with autos, I do, I do get a little more aggressive with negatives. I used to, I used to use that technique of, um, as I, as I moved keywords down the funnel, I would negative exact in the previous campaign, mm-hmm. but uh, I stopped doing that mainly because it's not necessary again, because of how impressions get prioritized based on the bid. Um, and it can get pretty messy too. If you, you know, if you can imagine every time you funnel words through you negative them somewhere else. And then if you lose track of that, I mean, you have to, it'd be very organized to do that. And again, I don't, I don't see the use in it. So let me ask you this. And, um, earlier we had mentioned that, you know, the historical sales and the click through the click through rate, things like that have a factor, uh, on, whether your ad is shown or not. So um, you're bidding a higher amount on the manual campaign now. So it should 
that should be the campaign that shows that particular phrase because you're bidding more there. But if the historical data on the automatic is better and the click-through is better on that keyword in the automatic, even though it's a lower bid, could it potentially, could Amazon say, well, you know what, it's a lower bid in this campaign because you didn't negative uh, the keyword out. You said you didn't do that anymore. Could it potentially show that one over the other one? That's interesting. I haven't, I haven't really tested that, but that is a, that's a really good observation. Um, let me think if I can think of a case. I would think not because it's your own accounts, but. Yeah, I'm almost sure. I mean, my, my gut, my knee jerk reaction is no, it's, it's not going to, it won't appear, but you'll find out, you'll find the, the, the more, the more we, uh, we talk about this stuff, you'll see I'm very like data driven. I just, I like to make sure when I give answers, I, I can back them up. Yeah. Um, it could, it could bite you. I can see a scenario where it could hurt you potentially, which is again, if Amazon, if you have a competitor out there and you're, you're doing, you're, you're going head to head with them and, and half the time they're getting the impressions, half the time you are, let's say, um, and you're like, man, this is my best keyword phrase. And you move that into a manual campaign at that point, because you've lost your historical data, you've lost, you know, all the data that Amazon has on the other one. Cause the other one, you know, let's say had six months worth of data. They, it might take a little while for Amazon to say, well, you know what? We want to start showing this keyword phrase, uh, against the competitors. Cause we just talked about potentially losing everything when you, when you create a, uh, a new one, right? Yeah, no, and that, that absolutely can happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know that if it's a if it's a broad match, also, I know that um, the auto broad sort of has precedence over the manual broad in terms of impressions. But okay. yeah, I don't have anything that I can think of that would like conclusive data showing like uh, that that could explain what would happen in, in the case that you're talking about. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move it's on. It's good stuff though. I yeah, mean, it's definitely it's a- something worth, worth looking into. I mean, you know, digging around in the data a little bit, you could probably find examples. Right. Okay. So, and you had mentioned you were going to provide an illustration um, of this because it, it, it does get kind of complicated when you're, when we're talking about it on a podcast versus someone actually being able to see it. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm going to have, um, I'll have a, I'm actually going to put a video together explaining some of the uh, analysis part that we'll talk about later on. And, uh, I'll, I'll provide that for the, for the, um, group members and, uh, I'll have a, I'll have a chart that they can look at. Awesome guys. Yeah. So we'll, we'll post that video into our Facebook group. If you're listening to the podcast and you're not part of the Facebook group, um, definitely join. It's called the Amazon FBA High Rollers. And uh, you can join that by going to ampmpodcast.com and clicking on the Facebook graphic on the right-hand side. So, but, so, so where were we? And, and I appreciate you putting the video together. That's really awesome. I think that that will have tremendous value for the, uh, for the listeners. But hold on a second. Hold on. Does that mean that I'm an FBA high roller since I'm talking to, to the high roller himself? I think so, yeah. And I don't know if I'm a high roller. Come on now. I'm still trying to become a high roller. I guess it's all uh, relative, right? I don't know. I've seen I've seen some of those screenshots, Manny. I, you're a high roller in my book. Oh, well, thank you. Again, it's all relative. So, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's someone who's like, oh, peanuts. <laughs> I know. that's. I want to meet that guy and then be like, I want to do what you do. Yeah, let's hang out. Yeah, those are my daily numbers. So, perfect. Um, all right. So, we, we've got the campaign structure going. Um, where were we on that? Um, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, ad groups, ad groups. I, I, I like to talk about this, just kind of still continuing with the, the theme, like the structure of your campaigns and the theme idea is just to make sure you clearly label your ad groups okay. because a lot of times, um, so I like to, I like to keep match types in certain ad groups. I really don't like mixing and matching. 
I, I like to keep everything by match type. So if I have exact matches that I'm testing, I like to keep all of my exact matches in, in the ad group. Same thing with phrase and broad. Uh, again, it just makes it easier to analyze the data, makes it easier to see trends at a high level instead of having to go in and, and just figure out, you know, where's that keyword. And there's a way I should say this, there is a way and I could, um, well, it's the estimated page one bid report, and that'll give you a whole printout of where all your keywords are. Because a lot of times people will have these huge campaigns. I mean, uh, huge structures with all these campaigns, all these ad groups are like, you know, I've got this keyword basketball, but I know it's in like seven different places. I don't know where to find it. And, they, they're, and they're trying to figure out what, which one has the highest bid and all that. If you print out the estimated page one bid, it'll, it'll show you um, all the different uh, ad groups and campaigns that have the keyword and what, and what you're bidding at the time. Okay. But anyway, I like to keep the same structure. So for example, if I'm doing testing hyphen basketball campaign under there, I might have exact match ad group. So it'll be called exact match. And then in parentheses or another hyphen, I might say, you know, the source. So if I used Google keyword planner, then it's, you know, the, the name of the ad group will be exact match hyphen Google Keyword Planner. Again, it's just so I can keep everything organized. It's easier to scale and to analyze. But yeah, I think that's about it in terms of how to structure a campaign. Uh, again, I'll, I'll provide an illustration to explain all this. So if you're if you're driving right now and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> there'll, there'll be a picture and it'll be way easier to understand. Okay, cool. So with the structure in place, you know what you're going to do? Um, somebody's going to set up the first campaign. They start with an auto campaign. We talked about that earlier. That's the easiest way. And you're going to run that. How long, how long would you run that for before you start pulling things out and creating uh, manual campaigns? Yeah. So you're, you're going to, you're going to end up, uh, you're going to end up running the auto indefinitely, but at first you're going to want to run it at a bit of a higher bid. And you want to do that for, I don't know, about five days. You know, we call it validating the listing. And basically the reason you use a high bid, because people ask me, I'll, you know, they'll say, how much should I bid? A dollar? I say, no, no, bid, bid $3, you know? And they go, wow, that's pretty high. Um, and I might tell them to have a 10 or $15 budget. But the reason is I don't want to put a ceiling on the terms that Amazon can show for my listing. So I want to see, basically, if I put a high bid, I'm giving free reign to Amazon to say, listen, show my ad to everything you think is relevant to my product because I want to basically read Amazon's mind a little bit and I want to see what are they looking at. So for three to five days, let's say run a $3 bid on a, I don't know, 10 to $15 budget. The, the specifics really don't matter. It's just later when you pull that data. So after, let's say you run it five days, give it three days for all the data to come in. So, you know, eight days after you start, you can run a report you're going to want to see by just sorting impressions. And again, I'll have a video that talks all about this. So just, you know, listen to the, the, the idea and, and I'll, I'll walk you through the specifics, but you're just going to see by sorting the impressions from largest to smallest, what, what is the, 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 the terms that Amazon is putting my product in front of the most. And that gives me an idea. Hey, you know, if we're talking the basketball still and it's, you know, basketball ball for sports, um, I don't know, just, they will probably won't have a brand name, but, um, you know, I don't know, NBA basketball, stuff like that. Uh, then I know it's very relevant. Amazon has got it spot on with what I'm selling and I can feel comfortable moving forward. The reason we do this is you'll be surprised how many times you will run this and you will have some really irrelevant stuff that's popping up. I mean, as the most popular thing that Amazon is showing your listing for, I mean, I've seen things as crazy as someone selling, um, uh, like kitchen, kitchen goods, 
uh, like a um, spatula, st- uh, spatula and, and different utensils and ice cream showing up as one of the top one or two uh, customer search terms. So sometimes it's not very, it's not very easy to figure out why Amazon is doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the time you can kind of figure it out. And if you go back and look at your listing, particularly the back end keywords and the title, you can figure out where they're, where they're making the mistake and adjust accordingly. So yeah, that's, that's really gold. Cool. That's good stuff. I, I've had the same thing happen where I look at my reports and I'm like, what is this? I, I'm selling a specific product, but it's sold by somebody searching for like new apartment decor or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I would never have even thought of that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the problem is later on, because we've talked about the factors that get um, considered for your ads to show, if Amazon's got it wrong now, you know, they're not going to suddenly get it right. So you're going to have you may have issues later on um, and you're basically trying to troubleshoot those before they happen. You may have issues later on um, if there's a relevancy problem with getting what you believe are relevant keywords to show, uh, to show uh, ads for. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's a good first step. I think it's something everyone should do. And then once you've done that validation, then lower the bid down because again, you're now trying to turn the amp, the auto campaign into a long, t- long tail search machine for you that just always runs right. and long tails. If you remember the definition, they're not, they're not high cost per click. They're low, they're low CPC. So you know, it, it's all relative. It's hard for me to give a specific, um, a specific, uh, a bid number, but I think with long tails, you can start lower. So I don't know, start at, start at 50, 51 cents. So here's a little, a little trick that I do. Um, I always go a penny above a multiple of five because most people bid in multiples of five. Mm. So you want to hear a little trick I do? Yeah. I, I, and I know that people go a penny above, so I go two pennies above. So oh, that, uh-huh. <laughs> actually, I go I do seven cents. I don't know why, but it's always uh, seven. So I like I think everybody's going to bid fifty, or maybe they'll go fifty-five. So I'm gonna do fifty-seven in case someone goes a penny above. Isn't that weird? You know what's going to happen? Everyone's going to do this, and then all of a sudden, multiples of five are going to be the best bid, right? Because everyone's going to be fifty-one, fifty-two, fifty-three. Trying to figure it out. It reminds me of the Princess Bride, where the guy was trying to poison the other guy, and he's like trying to deduce the thing. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, you want me to think that you want It's like, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's it's like crazy. the reverse, reverse, reverse psychology. Right. So just to be clear then, um, for the first, essentially almost a week, it's it's like a lost leader. You're, you're spending money to grab all the data that Amazon can give you on keyword phrases so that you can then uh, push hard on those keywords, the good ones at least, uh, moving forward. Yeah. And the thing I always emphasize is this is just market research. And in, in terms of five, figuring out what Amazon thinks, if you get some sales at this point, it's, it's a bonus. I mean, you're collecting data and you're basically paying, you know, data costs time and it costs money. And that's, that's what you're doing initially. Uh, you may, you may find you, you convert for some, for some terms. That's awesome. I mean, let's face it. If, if you're a brand new listing and if you run this with no reviews and you're converting on some terms, who knows? I mean, those might be, those might be some of your winners down the road, but, uh, for now, launch this thing from day one. Uh, as soon as you got your listing live, no reviews, it's no problem. You're just collecting data so that you get the green light to, uh, to start scaling your manual campaigns. Mm, that's so good. That's I mean, so many people, I'd say almost everybody out there teaches, you know, at least have your five to 50 reviews, whatever the number is, right? They all teach different things uh, before you start running pay-per-click. But you're saying, you know what? Run your pay-per-click, get data. Then you can dial in things a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not making, um, 
at this point you can only make sort of good decisions in terms of uh, like, you know, oh, this, this is a good word. I'm going to focus on this. You will not, this is not time to be doing negatives or anything like that. So, okay. All right. Great. So, so they've got everything going, let's say seven, eight days have gone by. They, they're looking at the data now. Um, what's the next step? So the next step, so you've validated it. And again, people have asked me, so do I have to do auto first? I, I propose this strategy because it's cost effective. It's, um, you know, it's not as, I don't know, I guess, uh, it doesn't, it's not as risky or, I mean, I don't know if risk is the right word, but it, basically you're not, you're not kind of diving in with both feet right away. You're, you're just testing the waters and understanding how sponsor products work. You can absolutely run the auto and the manual at the same time. I just, I like running the auto first for beginners. Okay. The next step, whether you do it simultaneously or after you validated is to start building out your manual campaign. So again, if we're going to call it testing slash product one, so basketball, um, you basically want to start building out your ad groups in that testing campaign. And I like to start testing sort of mass keyword lists. And by mass, I don't like to do, you know, a thousand keywords, but you know, maybe, maybe a hundred at a time. I like to keep it somewhat contained at first for a variety of reasons. Um, one of them being ad spend, especially for beginners when they're starting out, you just don't want, you don't want the ad to go, uh, the spend to go, too kind of crazy, even though you can control that. I've just seen situations where it can get a little out of control if you don't get your budget styled in at first. Um, in any case, so I would say start with keyword lists and you basically have two different types of sources. You've got those third party sources. So some of the ones that people may have heard of are like Google Keyword Planner, uh, Keyword Inspector, Merchant Words, uh, you know, Longtail Pro, you've got Uber Suggest. There's so many of them out there. Um, and actually, I think Uber Suggest might be more of the, the Amazon-related search. But what I mean by third-party sources is they're not using actual Amazon data. They're using uh, their own either algorithm or in the Google Keyword Planner um, case, it's using Google's data. It's a good proxy, uh, but the mindset, for example, on Google is completely different. It's a, it's a, it's a search mindset versus a shopping purchase mindset on Amazon. So some people have had success with it. Uh, I've, I've used Google keyword planner with hundreds and hundreds of SKUs. Sometimes it's a hit. Sometimes it just falls flat on its face. So you'll have to test it out. Um, but that, that can be a good source. Keyword inspector is one of my favorites. Um, it, it uses its own algorithm to basically estimate search volume. And that's the thing I want to point out. All of those tools that have search volume, they're totally estimates. Uh, a lot of times the relative measure between them is pretty accurate, but the absolute number is not. So, you know, the one that has, that it estimates at 10,000 views versus 5,000, while 10,000 may not be accurate, you will find that the, the relative measure between them is, is pretty accurate that, you know, the one with 10,000 is searched more than the one with 5,000. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I would guess, I don't know how everybody does their thing, but the majority of them are basing it on some kind of AdWords data where AdWords says, okay, this keyword is searched X number of times, but based on Amazon and being a shopping, there's an algorithm that's applied and then they get a number. Yeah. And there's probably some, some factor that's being applied, you know, um, that weights it differently. Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm not sure how the algorithms work, but I have found that keyword inspector, again, not that the numbers are necessarily more accurate, but I just found that the terms that it, that it gives me, um, 
I, I've had some success with them. So I definitely, I, I like keyword inspector. I'll use merchant words for sure. Um, but yeah, so those are, those are the ones I'd considered for more third party uh, keyword lists. And then you've got the second type, which is their tools that generate their keywords based on Amazon's suggested search. So when you go into Amazon and you start typing basketball and you type space, there's a drop down that, that appears and it's going to suggest to you what it thinks you're looking for. Very similar to Google. And the, the idea is Amazon, again, isn't that they're in the business of making money. So they're going to put in front of you, uh, in theory, they're going to put terms in front of you that have either higher search volume or, or better conversion rates because they want to get you to purchase as soon as possible. So what a lot of those tools will use, and the one I, I like to use is Keyword Tool Dominator. Uh, if you have AMZ Tracker, if you already have a subscription, then AMZ Tracker has this keyword tool in it as well. There's a few other um, free ones out there, um, but I know Keyword Tool Dominator is free. I think you get like three searches a day. So what's good about those is it gives you a list of terms that come straight out of Amazon. So by using the two and testing the two lists, uh, you, you'll usually start finding some some good terms that are converting well, they're making you money and, and you're, and that's kind of the, that's where your research stage starts is with these big keyword lists from either one of these sources. Okay. And then how important is it that these keywords, let's say you're pasting in a hundred words into a manual campaign. How important is it that they are somewhere, all hundred of these words are somewhere in your actual product listing or on the back end search terms? Oh, I mean, it's, it's critical. So you, you know, by far the, the title is going to be the most important uh, in terms of determining the relevance of that keyword to your product. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely important. It used to be, you know, they've made so many algorithm updates. It used to be that it was basically the title in the back end and the back end had, had a lot more weight. Uh, I've found that there was, a, there was a period where the back end wasn't even showing up at all in that basically if, if the words weren't in your title, um, you weren't you weren't eligible to have an ad appear for the customer search, and people saw a pretty big dip in their in their session in their impressions because of that. I've found it that they've started rolling that back as well. So I'm seeing I'm back to seeing searches, customer searches, um, me getting impressions for customer searches for terms that are only in my back end and not in my title. But without doubt, the title is the most important, and the back end is also um, important. Okay. Yeah. So once you've got those built out, you have your ad groups and you've got your match types. Uh, I would definitely, so for, you definitely want to test, um, the stuff that's coming out of Amazon. So that, that, that second one, like that off that keyboard tool dominator, um, you definitely want to test those as exact because those are exact searches that Amazon is telling you, you know, people search for this. You can test phrase matches again, the, the closer to the point of purchase, you're probably not going to get that many phrase matches coming out, but, um, for two and three word phrases, your, or keywords, you're probably going to get more, more, uh, search volume, um, or more impression volume on a phrase match, but you definitely want to test both. I always believe you should test exact and phrase. You can test broad as well, but, um, you may find that a lot of the impressions get, get gobbled up by the exact and phrase match, uh, ad groups. All right. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of knowledge that's being dropped. That's good. Really, really good. All right. So a person has gathered or let's say they, they run one of these tools and they have, you know, a thousand different keywords. OK. Or two thousand, whatever the number is. It's big. Now you're saying run a hundred to start. Are, are you also saying, you know, do you just run that one hundred and test that and then do another hundred or are you 
creating 10 different campaigns um, with 100 each if they've got the you know the budget to support that or how would you handle that yeah i mean i and i, I put throughout 100 as a as a kind of a round number i mean you could you could do more i just i'm just not a big fan of of taking of cut and pasting a thousand different keywords into different into ad groups and just testing just these massive lists and having 20,000 keywords that you're, that you're trying to test at a time. Um, I just like to be a little more, I don't know, a little more strategic in how I test them. And if they're not working well, then I may test a different set at a time. Um, I'll create, I'll create a few ad groups. So I may have, I may have 10 ad groups in my testing campaign and they each have a different source. So I may have, I may break up that, that Google keyword planner into three, into three ad groups, maybe the top, you know, three to 600, um, keywords or, you know, terms that it's suggested. Mm-hmm. Okay. At what point do you, um, let's say you're running this and you've got campaigns or sorry, you've got keywords in there, keyword phrases that only get a small amount of clicks. Okay. They're really long tail and they're getting, let's say that they're getting five clicks a month or something like that. So you don't want to just completely throw them away, but it's costing you, let's say it's just costing you, you know, $5 a month for those. Is there a certain point where you actually get rid of them? And I know earlier you talked about, you know, if they've done like ten, fifteen dollars, but if they're just doing a few clicks a, a month, do you actually keep them? Uh, no, I, I just, I mean, I just don't like to. I, I, I don't want to waste any of my budget, and I don't want to waste any impressions. I just want to, I just shut them off. I just, I, I guess maybe it's going back to sort of my AdWords, you know, experience where I just don't want, I don't want a bunch of waste in there. Um, I like to just keep everything very effective and making sure that I'm, I'm getting some, uh, just some real data coming in from those terms. I just, yeah, I shut it off. I, and by shut off, I mean, lower the bid down. I, I don't like to archive or pause anything. So I will lower the bids down to two cents and budgets down to $1 to kill uh, campaigns or, or um, keywords. Okay, great. And we talked about this before we actually jumped on the podcast. For those of you that, um, uh, are interested. It's probably more of an advanced thing, but we were talking about how archiving campaigns um, can potentially hurt that, uh, I guess, one of those campaigns or one of the ad groups within that campaign. So we'll talk about that on the advanced thing, um, on the advanced version of the podcast. Um, all right. So at this point, I mean, I think we've covered so much. Um, there's probably some, you know, just some standard questions that we could ask. Um, and I think some of the things that that come to mind that uh, a lot of people ask in the in the uh, Facebook group. And then we could talk about, um, I guess more, it's probably the more boring part for a lot of people, but it's actually the critical part, which is analyzing all the data and talking about how you do that. So where do you want to go here? Which which one should we tackle first? Um, let's see, let me talk real quick about analyzing the data. I won't, I won't get real nitty gritty. I know where it's been, I don't want it to be a, a like a, a uh, information download. And I'm going to go into some real good detail on the video that I put together for you. So let me just at a high level, talk to you about kind of how I analyze data, but then, uh, then we can get into some, some common questions and and hopefully, uh, clear up some, some, uh, some questions that are out there. Okay, perfect. Cool. Um, after you've done all this work, you've got your auto, your manual, you've been running, you've got some data to look at. Now comes the, the, the fun part, which is figuring out what's working, what's not, and what to do next. So, the main report you're going to be using is your search term report. And again, just think high level right now. I will show you all the details, where to find it, how to set it up, all that stuff. You're going to download this report and this report's going to give you tons of information, but really the, the nuggets that it gives you are the customer search terms. That's what the customer actually 
uh, typed into the search bar. That gives you an idea of what you should be targeting and what you should be um, keeping your ads from showing up, uh, showing up on. So basically, you're going to break it down into, I'm going to show you how to build a pivot table, which I think is the best way uh, if you've got Excel to analyze your data because you can get so granular and it's really as easy as like pointing, clicking and dragging things into a field and you can break it down to the customer search terms. You can break it down to was it profitable to you? Because what I want to show you how to do is to calculate net profit, not just how much I sold minus how, minus how much I spent. That is, that's good. That's a good, that's a good measure. But what I really want you to do is calculate your actual uh, net profit so you know how much you actually lost or made on that sale. And it's really as simple as your gross sales times your profit margin minus how much you spent. Once you've got that, that's going to be your really your, um, your main measure of whether or not a, a customer search term has been successful or not. Some of the other things you can do with the, um, with the report and with the pivot table is you can look at campaign level performance. You can then break it down to see, yeah, you've got a campaign that's doing, you know, 60% ACOS, but how is that attributed to each ad group? So you can see, oh, wow, but there's one ad group that's doing really well. And then you could break it down even further. Okay, but which terms in that ad group are doing um, better than others? So that's where this is really the, the, the fine tuning where you're able to go, you know, I have people all the time who come to me and they're like, oh, I have 200% ACOS. I don't know what to do. We throw that data into Excel, throw up a pivot table, and right away, it's clear. Yeah, I mean, it's this campaign, it's this ad group, and it's these 10 terms. It just becomes clear as day. So I'm going to show your um, your group members exactly how to do that. I think it's going to be a lot clearer in terms of analysis. Um, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I think so many people have no clue where their, their profit levels are. They just, like you said, they know what they're spending on ads, and they know... Uh, how much they're making on uh, or the, the actual sale amount, but they don't, they don't know how much they're making actually when it's all said and done. And it's critical, right? Because you could be, I actually know of one person that thought they were making profit and they were running and they, they were, it was just kind of slowly draining their bank account every single month. Not by a lot, but by something they're like, man, I should be making thousands and they, and they weren't. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, man, I, I would be making more if it wasn't for those $500, uh, you know, uh, debits every month in my credit card. <laughs> exactly. Right. I hate those <laughs> every day. I guess, Sometimes yeah. I get, there was, there was times for a little while where I was getting two of those a day. I'm like, man, okay. <laughs> they're doing it on purpose. They're hitting me twice. Oh, I know. I know. And the deposits look so good. And then you're like, oh man. Yeah. Oh, and, and for the, a lot of people that might not know that Amazon just recently added the ability now to just deduct those uh, from your earnings. So instead of it, you know, dinging your bank account, it'll just take it out of what they owe you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can set that up. And awesome. or you, or you can be like Kevin King where he's been doing it so long that he can just go in at any point and just click a button and tickle withdraw. And I was like, that's nice. That's yeah, pretty awesome, right? Oh, the daily, cool. the daily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay. So cool. So you'll, you'll provide a, a video that shows them uh, the details of what you just talked about. It, oh, takes, yeah. it takes just a couple minutes, right? To set it all up. Literally, literally you add, you're going to add a column, put a formula, drag it down, pivot table. It's, it's Boom. that easy. Okay. Awesome. Okay, good, good. Man, we've covered so much. We've been at this for over an hour and a half, and I think it's just action-packed. I hope you guys are getting, you know, your your hands are cramping from writing down, writing down all these nuggets. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff, especially for the beginners. And I know that people that have been doing this for a while are probably going, eh, you know, I, yeah, I know that I want to get into the, you know, some of the deeper stuff. And we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to do that on, on another podcast. 
for Absolutely. sure. Um, so yeah, do you want to run through maybe any questions you might have that you think users would find useful? Yeah, let's just kind of jump around here. So we've already talked about, um, you know, what the acronyms mean. Um, we've talked about what a long tail keyword is. Um, you know, how long they should run their pay-per-click ads. We, we, you mentioned, you know, about five days and a few more days to, to let the data trickle in. Um, so when people are looking at the reports, though, okay, so I remember seeing uh, a couple things. I, I would see asterisks in some of the columns and I would see the ASINs for products that I'm like, why are these showing in there? The asterisks, if you're seeing that, you're looking at an auto campaign. Basically, Amazon is not going to show the keyword that is that was used. So you know how when you put in a keyword as a manual uh, campaign and then there's customer searches that um, are related to that keyword, Amazon won't show you the actual keyword, but they'll show you the customer search term, which again, that's, that's where the gold is. The keyword, uh, I really could care less. It's I'm going to, I'm going to run ads against that, that customer search term that comes out of that auto. So that's all that asterisk is. And if you see ASINs, so the, you know, uh, lowercase b numbers, more lowercase letters, that is that your ad appeared on another product listing page. So if you go to your own listing, you'll see that there's a sponsored product section and someone clicked on that, um, that ad, well, your ad and went to your listing. So that's it. it basically that ASIN is the, is where the, um, the, uh, uh, the click originated from. So to, we used to be able to negative exact those and never appear again because typically those don't convert very well, but they switched that at the beginning of this year. So we don't really have that option anymore. So we're kind of, kind of stuck. If you have tons and tons, like you've got 80 of these things in your search term report, um, it may be indicative of a relevancy issue. So go back to the first part of this where we did an auto campaign and we checked for relevancy because with the impressions, cause that may be indicative of sort of a bigger problem. But if you've got a handful of them in there, it's, it's pretty common. Okay. And for those people that might be thinking, Oh man, this is awesome. I, I can take all my competitors ASINs and paste them into a campaign and start showing up on their page. What are your thoughts <laughs> on that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No go, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's that's all I had in terms of uh, in terms of stuff for for the, the beginning beginning users. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, let, one one last thing here. What do you think is a um, a good A cost? I mean, people are saying, well, you know, I'm oh, trying yeah. to get down to a certain level. Where do you think? Uh, how, how would you answer that? Yeah, my, uh, the first thing and your first stop as a as you know as someone who's doing sponsored products. First stop is your break-even. Your break-even cost is a good A cost. So basically, if all you're getting out of this is you're paying money to make a sale and you're just breaking even, then at least you're getting that boost in organic rank. You're getting some sales velocity, so it's helping your BSR. It's it's helping other things. So if your break-even is all you can achieve at first, you're doing well. Break-even again is your profit margin because if you're making $10 on a $20 sale, then you're willing to spend up to $10 to make that sale. So if your ACOS equals profit margin, that's a great starting point. For There's some accounts I've run into that they either have such a great product or the cost per click is so low relative to the price of the product that basically they throw on sponsored products and they've got a you know 25% ACOS without even trying that does happen and it's, it's a beautiful thing when it happens. Well now the bar and, and if, even if they have a 40% profit margin, 
if without even trying, you've got a 25% ACOS, then certainly that should be, that should be kind of your new break even. And you have to work to improve that. So, um, in your analysis, basically you're going to, you're going to start with that profit margin as your break even. But you know, if you've got one of those, one of those products that very easily can hit 25% ACOS or 20% ACOS, then let's work hard to improve that. Right. Let's, I mean, we, we can get better than that if that's kind of what we get out, out of the gate. Okay. And if you have a really good ACOS, let's say you've got it down to, you know, 10% and over time, like every month you notice that ACOS is starting to go up and up and, and it's starting to creep higher and higher. Is, is that an indication of something? I mean, what would you do? I mean, if it's starting to creep up, it, it could be that, you know, it, the, the category is getting more competitive. People are bidding more. So you'll have to take a look at your bids. Um, I mean, there could be a variety of factors. You definitely have to look at the data to see where to try to trace where it's coming from. Is it just that bids are higher? Are you getting more clicks? Um, is there is there some some. Uh, um, uh, click fraud happening. I mean, typically if you've, if you're seeing that you typically, you know, normally had 1% click through rates and all of a sudden you've got 7% click through rates mm -hmm. on the same amount of impressions or even lower impressions or something like that. Yeah. There, there could be a variety of factors, but, um, okay. typically, typically it'll be rising cost per click and that'll happen with seasons and as competition increases. Okay. And then, um, for a click through rate, is there a uh a percentage that, that you're shooting for? Something that's good or something that's bad? Well, the average that I see typically across, you know, good terms, bad terms, everything, just in in general, across all campaigns, across most of the ASINs that I manage, about a 0.05%. So, um, oh, wow. if you're, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty low. So, um, Generally, if I can, if I can hit about 1%, then I know it's, it's doing well. If I find that, um, you know, ads are converting well and they've got a 5% click through rate. I mean, I'm, I'm happy obviously, but it, it, it all depends. It's, it's so relative. I mean, it's, it's such a hard question to answer. Like when you start dialing, like getting down to a specific number, like what's good, what's bad, but on average, um, yeah, click through rates are, are pretty, pretty low on okay. average. Do you happen to know, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I actually don't know the number for Amazon. Um, I remember for, for Google, sort of what it was, but what percentage of people actually move off of the first page and will click onto a second page of results? I believe it's 30% the last time I, I looked into this. Okay. So you're giving up 70% of potential traffic by not even being on the first page. Yeah, that's right. Definitely, guys, try to get on that first page. And that's a fantastic part about pay-per-click, right? Because that puts you right there on the first page. It puts you on any page, wherever that customer is. Yeah, exactly. That's um, exactly right. One last thing, and then uh, I think we're, we're done here. Um, but variations, if, if somebody's got variations, does that change anything in terms of um, setting up campaigns and, and things like that? Uh, variations. So at first, you want to... Um, you want to put all of your variations in the same ad group and you want to let the traffic split naturally. And then later on, you'll start recognizing patterns and realize potentially that one, one ad may be making up a larger percentage of the sales or may have a better a cost than the other ads. So at that point you can start getting more, um, more specific about which keywords are going to be allocated are going to be targeting which ads. But at first put all your variations in the, in the same ad group, but that doesn't mean different products. Don't do that. 
Right. But variations, absolutely. If all we're talking about are different colors, mm-hmm. put them all in the same ad and the same ad group and let the traffic split naturally. You may find that, you know, men may buy more masculine colors or women may buy more feminine color, whatever it may be. Then you can start targeting uh, later on, but at first let it split. So, okay. awesome. um, and, oh, actually, sorry. I, I also realized um, when I said 0.05, so 0.5%, so 0.005. Um, so 0.5% is a, is a uh, average click-through rate. So. Okay. So half a percent, essentially. Yeah, I was going to say, that exactly. seems really low. That's, wow. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, nobody nobody <laughs> think, clicks on that. I think, I'm, I think, I think uh, I'm, my, my coffee wore off, you know, <laughs> so from, from the beginning of when we started talking, me and you offline <laughs> about two and a half hours ago. I know, right? It's been a while. So yeah, it's, it's the afternoon now. So, well, cool, man. That That's the end of it. I mean, this has been fantastic. Uh, so much information. We're definitely, definitely going to have to do a uh, part two and, and get this out but um brian you're you're full of information um and and i think at least my my podcast listeners would probably want to hear more from you so um one of the cool things you now have a a relatively new podcast right you want to tell us about it yeah we're about three episodes into it and uh we're you know it's a weekly podcast it's amz profit pros it has a facebook group as well so very similar to your group it's uh you know private label sellers. Uh, what we like to focus on is more just, uh, you know, optimizing conversion rates and just talking specifically about sponsored products. And we're actually now starting to talk more about driving traffic from off Amazon. Cause I think it's something that people are interested in, but they're a little confused by, and it's something that, uh, I've had a lot of success with. So yeah, we just talk about, um, more kind of on the sales side, how to optimize for more sales and it's been going well. It's a, it's a good community. Um, so yeah, check it out. AMZ Profit Pros. Yeah. And we got a podcast. So we, uh, we do some, some interviews. Sometimes I do, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take topics and, and do multiple, like multiple, um, podcasts on, on a certain topic, but it's fun. It's laid back kind of, kind of, uh, kind of like what you got going on here. I, I just like to, I like to get right to it. Not a lot of fluff. And I think you do an awesome job of that, Manny. So well, thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe we'll flip positions here and I'll, uh, I'll jump on yours and I can talk about what I've done. Cause I haven't been at it that long. I think a lot of people just assume that I've been doing this for years on Amazon and I've got lots of experience online, but with Amazon, I've only been doing it since December. So, um, would love to talk about that as well. Yeah. And you can, uh, you can talk to us all about, uh, all about racing. Yes, racing. I know. Racing and jujitsu, right? (laughs) So perfect. Well, hey, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody else that's been listening appreciates it. Any final words uh, before we we part here? Uh, No, I just I really hope that uh, the listeners got got value from that. I know it was definitely for like you said, for the more advanced users, um, that was probably you know, 101, but uh, uh, we'll definitely get into some more advanced topics. And even for the advanced listeners, check out the, um, the video on, on analyzing this, the search term report. I think if you haven't used pivot tables, I think you're going to, especially if you're an advanced user, I think you might, uh, you might go crazy when you see it. Cause you're just be like, wow, there's, it can get so granular, the analysis you can do. So uh, yeah. definitely check that out. That's going to be awesome. So guys, we'll post that up on the Facebook group. Uh, check it out. And Brian, Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, We'll catch you on the second episode, buddy. Awesome. Thank you, Manny. So there you go, everybody. How cool was that interview with Brian Bowman? Pretty cool, I think, right? I liked it. There was a lot of information, a lot of nuggets, and um, we're going to be doing the advanced version. Um, Just so you know, we've got the video 
that uh, Brian put together for you guys uh, that explains how he does uh, the pivot table, how he sets it all up, um, and he goes into uh, quite a lot of detail on how to analyze everything. So it's really awesome. We're posting that on our Facebook group, the Amazon FBA High Rollers group. Okay, that's the Facebook group for the AMPM podcast. And you can get to that by going to ampmpodcast.com. And over in the right-hand side column, there's a Facebook uh, group link. So just click on that. That'll take you in there if you're not already a member. If you're already a member, just go in there and you can do a search. Uh, in the top right-hand corner of, uh, of Facebook, you can do a search for video. Just use the word video and it will uh, it'll pull up our, our videos that we put post on there. All right, guys, that is it. I hope you enjoyed it and we will talk to you guys next time. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.